David Bowie once said, if you feel safe in the area that you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Uh, Gustav Flaubert said, be steady and well-ordered in your life so that you can be fierce and original in your work. And Jerome K. Jerome said, I like work. It fascinates me. I can sit and look at it for hours. <laughs> I think I've been all those places here uh, lately. In fact, maybe even this morning. Uh, okay, I like quotes. Some make you think, some make you laugh, others make you wonder what someone was smoking when they said it. Anyway, hi, this is Tim Patterson, and this is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for the fourth day of November 2019. We're in the downward slide into 2020. Can you believe we're almost into the, uh, the fifth of the way through, 20% of the century. That's pretty astonishing to me. But it's true. It happens. You know, time passes. Hey, if you want to know more about my company, Trade Show Guy Exhibits, check out the new hub website uh, we put together at tradeshowguy.net. Links to pretty much everything we do, the books, the podcast, the vlog, the, the exhibit design search, the uh, newsletter, the company site, of course. Back to quoting, I can't remember anyone ever calling me and asking me for a quote. Or when I say something, they say, hey, can I quote you on that? <laughs> no one's calling uh, up to ask me to give them a short, pithy, memorable hot take on anything, you know. Uh, as far as I know, no one's quoted any of my writings from either my blog or in my books. But I wonder if I could come up with something quotable. Uh, I guess it depends on what they ask about. I was thinking this morning about friendship. It kind of goes back to something my son said a few years ago when he was in like middle school or high school. He said, you know, I'd like to have more friends. And I, and I said to him, if you want more friends, be a friend. If you want to have a friend, be a friend. I think I read that somewhere. It's probably a quote, you know, but uh, if not, hey, go ahead and quote me on it. So I've been thinking about friendship. I think about friendship actually quite a bit. Maybe it's my advancing age, right? <laughs> So what do I think about most? Well, I, I, I've looked this up and it was kind of jived with what I was thinking. And that is in our lifetime at pretty much any time we have on average up to nine pretty close friends that are kind of our inner circle of friends. That's about what it is with me. Some of them you see a lot. Some of them you don't see much, but they're all that close. You know how they feel about you. You know how they know you, how you feel about them. And then we have kind of a second circle and then kind of a third circle of people we we know kind of uh, we're friendly with, you know, there's friendships of varying degree in there. Friends come and go. I've had some friends uh, for over 40 years, I have one friend that I've known for 50 years. We were, uh, we met actually at a church Sunday school when we were probably 10, 12, something like that. And then we went to junior high and high school together and have stayed friends. Musician, he is, as I am, as, as, as am I, and we've played together a few times over the years, but we just stay in touch, you know? It's kind of fun. It's great to see what people do over their lives. Another friend I've had for over 40 years, uh, we had a great friendship for a, a very short time, and then as time went on, we just kind of stayed in touch, you know? It, it, it was related to a job I had and a, and a place I was living, uh, but we just have stayed in touch. Only person in that town that I stayed in touch with. So we don't talk much, we don't see each other much, but when I do stop in or when she stops in, it's like, Hey, we've known each other for years. We know how each other is. It's great friendship. Uh, and friends depart, you know, for various reasons. Some move away. You never see them again. You don't stay in touch because they never were that great anyway. Or you just don't have that connection that you thought you had. Some die. Some change. And you are no longer friends with them because they've changed. Or you've changed. You're different. You're heading in another direction. 
what's it been said? Uh, probably Brian Tracy or maybe Zig Ziglar said, you know, you're the, the average of the five people you hang out with the most. I think I heard that in my mid-20s, and I started looking at who I was hanging out with. <laughs> and I think over years, I kind of used that to adjust to the kind of people I hung out with. Uh, seriously. So, you know, people come and go. Friends come and go. Friends are great. I don't spend enough time with them. So one of my uh, regular reminders is to stay in touch with those old friends that are not on my daily or regular life. And kind of one thought on friends, even though there's a lot I don't like about Facebook, I will give it this. It lets you stay in touch with friends and reconnect with people that have been you've been friendly with over the years, co-workers in the past, uh, and you get to see what they're doing. I, I suppose it's kind of a double-edged sword because then you see, oh gosh, my nephew and his family are spending a week in Iceland or... Uh, my best buddy from high school is, is in, you know, uh, Europe <laughs> visiting over there. And you think, oh man, you, so you kind of live vicariously because, you know, you can't go on all the vacations that everyone goes on, right? You can go on maybe one vacation, but you know, they're only on their one vacation as well too. So anyway, I think it's great. You get to see what other people are doing. And so I, I would give uh, Facebook a thumbs up on that. I think it's a good thing. So with this week on the podcast, a fun interview with Seth Kramer, a trade show magician. We had a fun conversation about what he does and how it helps exhibitors generate more trade show leads. Here's how it went. I'd like to welcome Seth Kramer of Traffic Stoppers to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Seth, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tim. And you sent me a couple of notes. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised and shocked, maybe not. You've, you've been in business since uh, like 1982. This goes back a ways with Traffic Stoppers. Tell me about how you got into it and, and, and you've been just doing this a long time. Yes, I have. Uh, it's, uh, it's. I was much younger then. Much younger then. <laughs> we all were. Yes, we all were. We all were. And that was kind of a, kind of an interesting thing. At that point, I was in uh, the years the year before. I was actually in law school, and oh, wow. uh, decided I was not uh, terribly enamored with the practice of law, and uh, needed to figure out something to do. So uh, through a I guess a long series of events, uh, I discovered this whole area of uh, the trade show business and kind of did a little research and had some people recommend some people who were in this business to me and uh, kind of uh, went to my first trade show back uh, back in the early, 19, early 1982 and kind of built my business from there. Interesting. So what is it you exactly do? Uh, is it change from show to show or do you just kind of have the same thing that you kind of focus on and it varies depending upon the clientele and the product that you're helping to promote? Well, the, uh, the presentation, uh, I mean, let's just start from the beginning. You know, I basically am a trade show presenter slash magician illusionist. Sure. So, yeah. So the, the material that I do, the magic or illusions or, whatever you want to call it that I do, uh, it stays pretty consistent from show to show. And, and the reason is uh, I like to do things that I've done 10,000 times or more. Right. In my life. So when you do things like that, the muscle memory kicks in. You don't have to think about what I'm doing. I don't have to think about what I'm doing and I can focus on the customization, the presentation that I do for my clients. 
And of course, you know, your audience is new every time. So it's, it's new to them and they're going to be surprised and, and amazed you hope and, and uh, you getting their attention. So I, th- I think you're right. The, the, the term muscle memory, I think is very critical to doing something over and over. And the fact that you've done it for so long and you kind of work that thing in there. So, um, you know, so I guess when you are talking with a client and you are going to do something, how far ahead do you talk about that with the client and how long does it take to put that uh, presentation together? Uh, it's, it varies from client to client, uh, but basically I try to get started as early in the process as I possibly can because clients are notoriously um, uh, guilty of not giving me all the information I need when I need it. So I ask for it early and pray that I get it in time to put it together for the show. Uh, I typically like to have three weeks, but I ask for it sometimes up to two months in advance. Right. Uh, that I work with, uh, you know, over and over again, I don't need to have that kind of time frame unless there's a major change in their messaging. But with new clients, I typically like to have three weeks or a month in advance. Uh, I have something that I call my trade show questionnaire that I send out, uh, that I have them fill out that kind of helps me understand what's important to their business. Um, I ask them to send me uh, images of what their booth looks like. I ask them to send me uh, booth graphics that they have in the booth because uh, sometimes, uh, especially if a client has never done this with me before, I get an overload of information. They send me pages and pages and pages of material, and it's too much. It's too much. So uh, what ha- what what really uh, sharpens their focus uh, and sharpens my understanding of what they need to have you know, kind of highlighted at the show is uh, their booth graphics. Their booth graphics is a great way to see what's important to them because sure. it's important for them to put in their booth. It's important enough for me to include in my presentation. Right. And also another helpful thing is I asked them to send me the, um, the little paragraph that they send to the trade show organizer that goes in the trade show guide. So, if the show happens to have a trade show guide, the houseware show, the hardware show, a computer show, uh, any, any, most shows have a, an extensive trade show guide with an exhibitor listing and a, and a paragraph company is there. That also helps sharpen my focus. So when, you're, yeah. so when you do your presentation, I'm just curious how long it lasts. Uh, I'm guessing it's fairly short. How many times an hour, how many times a day do you do that? Uh, you know, and, and, a, and a typical crowd, uh, depending on the show. Well, again, depends on the show, depends on the size of the exhibit. Um, but really, uh, my show is about 12 to 15 minutes long. I can vary it. I can make it a little bit shorter. I can make it a little bit longer. Uh, I like to do it two times an hour. Uh, the reason for this, it gives me time to gather a crowd. It also gives me time to have the uh, salespeople uh, answer questions. It gives them time to... Uh, you know, gather information, gather the leads, you know, do the scanning and whatever, whatever other lead retrieval they have. So it gives me time to do my show and it gives them time to speak with the uh, gathered crowd. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the keys to success of any presenter that is drawing in a crowd is, is to have a, a, a booth staff that is aware of how to follow up with those uh, people that you've just drawn in. Because if you draw them in, you give a great show and no one's there or there's only one or two people to handle, you know, 
150 uh, people that saw your show, that's just going to fall short of what they really are hiring you for. How do, do you work with uh, the client on, on making sure that they have that uh, system set in place? I do. And I do it in a couple of different ways. Um, one of the most common ways that I do this is uh, typically they have a, a briefing, a show briefing, you know, an hour before the show opens, everyone on the booth staff gets together and they go over what's in the booth, what demonstrations are taking place. Uh, they go over the schedule, who's going to be there at what time. Because uh, sometimes you can have 50 or 60 people from a company there and, and you know, you see people in the booth at one time, really regardless of the size of the, of the booth. I mean, 60 people from a company is a lot of people to have even in a yeah. tremendous booth. Uh, so they have schedules, and, and during this meeting, I, they give me, you know, 10 minutes, and in that 10 minutes, I go through a couple of little pointers, you know, of what they can do to take advantage of the show. Uh, one of the biggest things I, I let them know is that um, this is a team effort. You know, it's a team effort. Yes, the company brought me in there to gather the crowd. Yes, uh, you know, it's my, you know, part of my job is to bring people there to deliver their messaging. But it's also not, let's just, it's not just, um, let's sit back and see what this guy can do to bring people here. So I don't want them to have that attitude that it's all on my shoulders. Right. So I, I let them know that it's a team effort. If they have a client that they, you know, a special client, and it's not my showtime, I let them know that it's okay for them to bring them over, you know, and I'll, and I'll start a show with one person. I'll start a presentation with one person. Uh, I also let them know that it makes me feel really sad that when I work hard for my 12 to 15 minutes and I gather 30 or 40 or 50 or more people for them to uh, talk to, uh, to just end my presentation and see them walk away. Uh, you know, it breaks my heart. I, mean, I work really hard to get the, uh, the people there for them. And sometimes, you know, whether, you know, sometimes you have the opposite. You know, sometimes you have too many people there. But sometimes you have enough people there. And unfortunately, uh, the, booth, the booth staff is occupied with uh, maybe they're in the middle of talking to another client or someone's doing a demo. And there's only three people in the booth. It's me and two or three booth, people, booth staff. And uh, there's nobody there to really take advantage of the crowd. So I try and warn them in advance that if I'm starting a show, there really should always be somebody there because the information that I'm given, uh, while I try to learn as much as I can about a company, I can't possibly answer, you know, every question that's posed. And, yeah. you know, my goal, is I want people to think that I work for the company, but also uh, by the same token, I, you know, I don't have all the information to uh, deliver answers on uh, every every topic or every subject that comes up. I'm curious if you've ever gotten into a conversation with a situation, maybe you're trying to make a sale to a company that you've not worked with before, and uh, they're, they're bent on having like one of their uh, top management do some sort of presentation. They're not a professional presenter, but they think, you know, I, I can do this. So how do you differentiate yourself, uh, you know, versus the management doing it versus you being a better choice for that, even though they've got to invest in that. What, what kind of things come up in that conversation, if you've ever had that? Come up, you're talking about having, if they're having one of their people? Yeah, if they decide, well, we're just going to have one of our people do it. 
Well, one of their people, you know, uh, the things I try to tell them, I say, well, that's a, that's a great idea, you know, to have somebody who really knows the product do it. But uh, the thing is, they're really used to doing it from a, a sales perspective and not a show perspective. They, right. Most people who work for companies have very little in the way of showmanship. You know, even if they're, you know, have a great personality and a big personality, most of them really don't know how, you know, what's involved in creating a show or making it interesting and fun for people to be there. You know, people have a lot, there's a lot of things pulling people at a trade show, uh, you know, different, different companies, people want to go in there, time's limited. People don't necessarily want to sit for a 30 or 40 or 45 right. minute presentation. So uh, what I try to explain to them is, yes, you know, they know a lot about the product, but they might not be able to uh, do a people there. How, is, how are you going to get the people seated there? How are you going to get the people over? What I'm really good at is getting the people over to the, to the booth, uh, giving them an overview of what the company is all about. And what I recommend is that they use me as a, uh, a liaison and we, I, from a transitional uh, approach, use my show and then transition over to someone who can do a, I, I, I try and convince them not to do a full 30 minute presentation, but maybe try and narrow it down to five to 10 minutes yeah. at the most. Right. So then we can get them there, do the show, have 10 minutes uh, demo presentation, and then start up the next one and kind of cycle it that way, uh, still being able to put in two full presentations in an hour's uh, time space. Um, and that sometimes works out really, really well. Most of the time it works out great. Uh, sometimes what happens is that the presenter is not as good as the company thinks they are. And <laughs> of what the demo is sometimes I wind up learning the demo and I wind up so there's no transition at all there's no there's no space I learn the demo and I present the demo it might not be a, a 10 minute demo it might be only a two or three minute uh, overview but if it's a product that needs to be demonstrated uh, a short a short PowerPoint presentation. I don't want to be involved in a 10 or 15 minute PowerPoint presentation, especially if it's a last minute, yeah. <laughs> last minute choice. I certainly don't want to be saddled with that. But uh, that's another way that companies go sometimes is they actually, you know, you know, especially if it comes to a you know a quick demo, which I see, I can actually see that yeah, I can do that. You know, I'm pretty good with my hands. Right. So if something, <laughs> you're you're a pro. Uh, we're speaking with Seth Kramer of uh, Traffic Stoppers. Just a couple more things, Seth. What's the smallest booth you've worked in? Have you worked in a 10 by 10? Oh, yeah. I, yeah? I do work in 10 by 10s, yeah. And it's not it sounds like, I mean, a lot, obviously a lot of those pre presenters are in the much larger, expansive booths with lots of room for crowds. But but uh, I've seen pictures of, of presenters in 10 by 10s where people are crowding the aisle. It's, <laughs> sounds interesting. Yeah, that happens. Uh, look, trade show organizers trade show organizers frown on presenters blocking the aisle with that presentation. Right. But if it's done uh, kind of in a, you know, a good way where you try and keep the aisles clear, look, you don't want a hundred people clogging the aisle of a 10 by 10 foot booth. So right. you can definitely make it work in a 10 by 10 foot booth. 
Uh, it works especially well if that 10 by 10 is a corner. Oh yeah, I bet, I bet. So you got two sides open, yeah. If you have either two sides open or even one, one corner open, if you only have uh, another exhibitor on one side, you have a corner open on the other side that leads to an aisle and a crossway, yeah. uh, that's a good situation because then you have a much much bigger area to gather a crowd and exactly. congest the aisle. And before we go, I wanted to mention you had shown me uh, kind of in the green room this this book that you've got out. Uh, let's let's talk about that just briefly. If you have a show show that to us, yeah, I'll hold it up for you just so you can see it. This is called a uh, modern trade show handbook. And there was, you go. Yeah, originally originally written for uh, magicians who kind of found out what I was doing this. There weren't too many of us. It's a small small little group. Yeah, and. Um, guys who I started out uh, working with are still still in the business but uh, people uh, wanted to learn more about it and I thought rather than having people come in and doing it wrong or do, doing it badly uh, <laughs> give them the information they needed to do it to do it properly and, and to make sure that uh, they were uh, you know not doing the show and then people going this is the worst idea ever right. we're never doing it again um, so someone who's been there before and learned a lot and passing that uh, knowledge along. That's great. Ideas. Uh, so it's not only been helpful for uh, other magicians, but, you know, there are other presenters, you know, speakers uh, who do uh, professional presenting in a trade show environment who have also benefited from some of the things that I, that I uh, share in there. And where can people find you, Seth? Uh, you can find me at trafficstoppers.com. Great. We'll put a link on the show notes. Uh, Seth, it's been great to hear your experience, and I hope to, to see it in person sometime. Thank you again for sharing uh, your knowledge and expertise and experience on uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Copy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to uh, Seth Kramer of Traffic Stoppers. Check out his site at trafficstoppers.com. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. This week's trade show tip, back to the work quotes from the beginning. If you believe in what you do, you'll embrace the work. If you believe in the company you work for, you'll embrace their methods of working. If you, For example, if they choose to do trade show marketing, embrace it. But I think at the same time, because you know, you're, you're working for them, they're paying you, and you want to do a good job, learn why they do what they do. Uh, what, what goes into the decision-making? And if something doesn't seem like it's working the way it should, or there's something that made no sense, maybe there was a bad decision made, you know, find out about it. Ask, be nice about it, be friendly about it. See what they tell you, and perhaps you can offer your two cents to see if you can make it better, especially if you find a way to make something better and fix something. Work is good. Work can be hard, but hard work is often very rewarding, and I know trade show marketing is hard work, but it can be very rewarding. All right, this week's one good thing. Before we wrap up, uh, early science fiction from the 50s, 60s, 70s, stuff I grew up with, and I kind of got back to that. I haven't read a lot of uh, science fiction from that era for a long time. But I ran across a book called R is for Rocket, a bunch of short stories by Ray Bradbury. I got this at a um, book exchange of sorts, and I think it's kind of cool. It's uh, published uh, originally in 62, the ninth edition, 1969. The cost, 75 cents. <laughs> um, I got it for free because I just traded some books for it. But uh, I ran across a story in here called The Sound of Thunder, which uh, was made into a, a movie, not a great movie, but a fun movie about time travel and people going back 60 million years to bag a trophy of a dinosaur, you know, T-Rex, anyway. Uh, and things don't work out all that well. So 
I like science fiction from that area. I also got back in that era to uh, Robert Heinlein. Got a couple of old paperbacks from Heinlein in my library. Uh, 75 cents for Methuselah's children and 95 cents for the day after tomorrow. That's what we paid back then. Isaac Asimov was a great one, of course. Uh, Philip K. Dick. I read so much Philip K. Dick as a kid. I, everything I could get my hands on. He came a little later in my youth, I guess, in my teens and and uh, through my 20s, maybe into the 30s. He died fairly young. I think he was 42 uh, when he died. But it's interesting. Uh, Philip K. Dick's work has lived on in so many movies and uh just crazy. Some of his short stories have been made into movies. Some of his books have been made into movies. Just fascinating writer. Anyway, that's that's what I grew up on, and and I just it's fun to go back and kind of see what that stuff was. It's different than science fiction today. I read a little bit of science fiction that's published uh, in this day and age. It's not quite like this, especially when you get to Kurt Vonnegut. There's no one like Kurt Vonnegut Jr. <laughs> so, but that's my uh, one good thing of the week, and that is uh, science fiction from the fifties, sixties, seventies. It's kind of good to flash back there. Have yourself a great week, and I hope you join me next time around, and tell a friend if you like uh, what you're seeing or hearing on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. (laughs) 